They say just as our bodies need nourishment to survive, our souls need to be nourished as well. But the question is, how often do we feed our souls? Welcome to Soul Food, a podcast about spiritual refinement. My name is Amjad Tarsin and I invite you to embark with me on this journey inward to work on our souls. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to episode 4 of Soul Food titled Restraint. In this episode, we're going to cover the importance of withholding your evil from others, the importance of intending good and having good intentions towards others, and then finally, what it means to have a pure heart and the way that that looks. So one of the beautiful things about this religion, which unfortunately in today's world might seem foreign because of how self-centered people are, is the importance of fulfilling other people's rights. That one of the beautiful things that this deen teaches us is how to understand other people's rights and to fulfill them properly. We're continuing to look at this book by Al-Habib Ali bin Hassan Al-Attas called The Blissful Gift. And he really focuses on the prophetic guidance needed for spiritual purification. One of the things about the greatest scholars of this religion is that they're able to take many of the things that we might have heard before, but really teach it to us in a way that connects at a much deeper level so that we're able to draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and see the reality of this deen and taste the sweetness of iman. And Habib Ali bin Hassan al-Attas is one of those people. And one of the aspects of purifying your heart is making sure that you don't harm others, which is obviously easier said than done. So the author says, deal with all of creation such that you spare them of your evil. If you do so, then Allah will certainly spare you of their evil. It has been narrated in a tradition from the master of creation, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, whoever wants safety then let him seek it in protecting others from himself. Now this is really interesting, is we don't always look at our own selves as capable of harming others. We usually look at it in different ways, or the nafs is much more interested in other people fulfilling its rights. But the believer on this path of the Prophet ﷺ looks at fulfilling other people's rights and making sure at the very least to not harm others and to spare them of our evil. And that when we do so, we're actually putting ourselves in a position where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects us from the evil of others. There's a famous hadith where the Prophet sallallahu tells us of a woman who used to pray and fast, but she imprisoned a cat and didn't allow the cat to eat, and she didn't feed it until the cat died. He said, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that she was in the fire. So this shows us that our religious and spiritual path is not only limited to acts of worship, although the acts of worship are essential. They are foundational on the spiritual path. The five pillars of Islam, 
and the obligations and avoiding things that are prohibited and forbidden. But in addition to that, the real sign that those acts of worship are really piercing our hearts is the way that we deal with others and that it translates into our interactions and our character and how we deal with all of creation. We talked about mercy the other day and how we have to have mercy to everything on earth and that the result of that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us mercy from him. But this woman, despite the fact that she prayed and she fasted and so forth, she didn't show that mercy to this cat. And because of that, because of that poor treatment, that really terrible treatment that she showed the cat, the Prophet ﷺ said that she was in the fire. In another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ says, a Muslim is someone who other Muslims are safe from his hand and tongue. In other words, they're safe from his words and safe from being harmed by him. And once again, that shows us that our relationships with others, that we withhold backbiting, we withhold harming people in various ways, and by doing so, we have reached that level of submission, of being at the degree of a Muslim, which is the basic level. And the further a person ascends in the degrees of Iman and Ihsan, the higher degrees of, of belief and of spiritual realization, the more that they not only withhold harm from others and spare them their evil, but they benefit them and want good for them and mercy for them and so forth. So that brings us to the next point of the importance of intending good for others. So in addition to withholding your self from harming others and sparing them of your evil, you should go a step further and you should intend in your heart to benefit them. The author says, he continues on in Al-Atiyya Al-Haniya, he says, intend good for all Muslims, for it has been narrated in a hadith, a person's intention is better than his action. Niyatul mu'min khayrun min amalih or a believer's intention is better than his action. It has also been narrated, actions are judged according to their intentions. And this is beautiful, think about it. You are rewarded by Allah based on your intentions. So the author is saying, intend good for all people. And this is a spiritual shortcut. And it only works when we're sincere. This isn't something that we can, we can just give lip service to but it's something that we have to be sincere in and it amounts to amazing good and benefit in our life. If you intend good and benefit for all Muslims, you're rewarded for each and every Muslim. And you can even intend beyond that and say, I intend good for all Muslims that are alive today and those who are yet to come. And you're rewarded for each of them, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. Imam al-Ghazali mentions a story that shows us the power of intentions. And intentions are powerful not only because they're things that we consciously think about, but they're powerful because they are actions of the heart. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we said, when he looks upon his servants, he looks at their hearts and their deeds, and that the intention precedes the action. So Imam al-Ghazali really highlighting this point and showing how we can get 
so much closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through our intentions and wanting good for other people. He says that there was a man in the time of one of the prophets. And at the time, people were experiencing a famine. And this man, he saw these sand dunes. He was just looking at these sand dunes. And in his heart, he said, if I had food equal to the size of these sand dunes, if I had bread or barley or whatever it may have been, equal to the size of these sand dunes, I would distribute it to all the people, especially because it was a famine and they didn't have that kind of food. So then Allah revealed to that prophet, he said, go tell that man that his charity has been accepted by Allah. So then the prophet went and he informed that man and he said, but I haven't given anything away in charity. I didn't do anything. But then the prophet said, it was because you intended it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew the sincerity of what you intended in your heart. So he accepted it as if you did it, which is a beautiful gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these intentions are actions of the heart and actions of the heart are greater than actions of the limbs. So the author says, intend that good. Even if you're not necessarily able to achieve all of it, make a sincere intention and you will see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put barakah, blessing in that intention. And then what happens when a person has that kind of goodwill towards other people? And when a person has this pure heart, and desires good for other people, their entire state changes. And this is really the beauty of a pure heart and why there is such a great focus on the purification of the heart. The author says, do not harbor any ill will, nor conceal any enmity or deceit towards any believer. Whoever's condition is as described, someone intending good and not harboring any ill will, and withholds their evil and has this restraint towards other people, whoever's condition is as described and whose inward is purified and whose heart has been cleared of all anger and deceit and malice for the Muslims, what's the result of that? The author says he will be among the most worshipful of people on earth and even his sleep is considered worship. And that applies to both men and women. That a person who has this quality will be among the most worshipful of people on earth and their sleep will even be considered worship. It's a beautiful deen. And there's a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ, he highlights this again. And he says to Sayyidina Abu Hurairah, as narrated by Abu Dawood, he says, Ya Abu Hurairah, kun wari'an takun a'badan nas. He says, oh Abu Huraira, be scrupulous, be careful, have scruples and be cautious. Don't fall into things that are doubtful and you will be the most worshipful of people. Well, kun qani'an takun ashkaran nas. And be content and you will be the most grateful of people. And love for people what you love for yourself and you will be a believer, a mu'min. And be good to your neighbors and you will be a Muslim, someone who has attained that degree of submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he says, And 
and lessen from your laughter. Don't laugh too much, for abundant laughter certainly kills the heart. In other words, if a person is not really focused on the reality of their life, it doesn't mean that you can't laugh, but that a person focuses on the reality of what Allah wants from them, and there's a, a peace and a happiness that's achieved by that, that's different than just being frivolous all the time and laughing about everything and turning everything into a joke. So this hadith and what the author is saying shows us that the state of our hearts is the core of worship. And that when we have a heart that is cleared and purified of these lowly qualities, then our heart is in a state of worship even if we're not outwardly doing something that is worship, like in the case of someone who might be sleeping and resting. And because that person who's sleeping and resting, that sleep, it assists them in having energy to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they awaken. There was a man at the time of the Prophet wasallam, who the Prophet himself testified that this man was of the people of paradise. And he said it three days in a row. He walked into the masjid and he said, this man is a, one of the people of paradise. And he said it a second and a third time. So one of the companions wanted to find out what made this man so unique. So he wanted to spend time with him. So he observed him and he wanted to see what's his secret. But he discovered that there wasn't really anything seemingly special about the man. He seemed very ordinary. So then he asked him, he said, what's your secret? The Prophet ﷺ said such an amazing thing about you and he testified that you are of the people of paradise. So I wanted to figure out what quality you have that makes you of the people of paradise and makes the Prophet ﷺ testify to that. So then the man himself said, I don't do anything extraordinary. There's nothing special that I do. But the only thing that I can think of is that before I go to bed every night, I forgive everyone who has wronged me and I have nothing against them in my heart. And that was it. That was the secret. So having a heart that is clear and clean and does not hold anything against anyone and being a person who spares other people your harm and intending good for them, you, your sleep will be like its worship. So that brings us to the call to action. There is a hadith narrated by Anas ibn Malik عنه, that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said to him, Ya Bunay, in qadarta an tusbiha wa tumsi, laysa fi qalbika ghishun li ahadin fafal. He said, My son, if you are able to awaken and go to sleep without having any deceit in your heart towards anyone, then do so. Ya bunayya wa thalika min sunnati. My son, that is from my sunnah. When we talk about the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, it also contains every beautiful character trait and quality. Ya bunayya wa thalika min sunnati. Wa man ahya sunnati faqad ahabbani. And whoever revives my sunnah has loved me. Wa man ahabbani kana ma'i fil jannah. And whoever loves me will be with me in paradise. This is a hadith narrated by Imam al-Tirmidhi. So that's the call to action, is forgive someone who has upset you or has wronged you. And try your hardest to clear 
your heart of any enmity towards them. And if you do that, it is a very small price to pay to be with the Prophet ﷺ in paradise. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those who follow his sunnah, make us of those who revive his sunnah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and of those who love him and those who are united with him in the highest degrees of paradise in al-firdaws al-a'la ma'an nabiyyina wal-siddiqina wal-shuhada'i wal-salihin wa hasuna ulaika rafiqa wa sallallahu ta'ala ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin Thank you for listening to Soul Food To subscribe to the show, visit soulfood.fm where you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or by email. If you're on iTunes, please also leave us a rating and a review. It helps more people discover the show.